Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with the Austin Powers chest hair. And if you grew some winter man tits, the least you can do is make sure they're hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code hammering. Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast. And that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store. Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow. And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. This is the Keep Hammering Collective with Brandon Shockley. <laughs> Thanks for uh, having me on. <laughs> You're not going to correct me? Nope. Uh, you know what? I hardly even bother because uh, my entire life people have been calling me Brandon, not my name. Yeah. Oh. 90% of the time it's Brandon. Uh, I've got Brandlin. I even got Gremlin once. Gremlin? Gremlin. I thought my name was Gremlin. <laughs> yeah, that'd actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. Thanks mom and dad for that one. Yeah. Cheers. So it is Brandlin Shockey. Yes, sir. I was joking around, but the people who follow this podcast follow this journey, they would know your name mostly. I mean, from the Shockey name. Yeah. Jim Shockey, you've yeah. been, you know, in the business forever, but lately from the film, once we were wolves. Yeah. That's yeah. Let me throw my sister's name in there too. Oh, cause nowadays she, she's kind of a little big. I didn't know you had a sister. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. 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 She's got, uh, double my dad's followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Just a fact for everybody out there. Yeah. She's, uh, She's pretty well known. So I'm like the least well known. And my, and my mom too. She, uh, she kind of outshines everybody in her family these days, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, your entire family is just unique in its own way, but your mom is special. She's fighting right now and, uh, dealing with cancer and, um, yeah, just, I mean, from watching over, I think I've been following along with the Shockies probably, God, I think your dad, 25 years ago, I was reading a column he would write. Wow. I think it was North American Hunter magazine. He had the back page column and yeah. he was always a great writer. And then so from from that and then we went into television or you guys did. And you guys were dominating outdoor television for many years. And now we've kind of evolved and outdoor television has switched gears a little bit. And now it's more social media yeah. or YouTube or yep. whatever. It's just the, the climate has changed a little bit. What has this journey been like for you? Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's, it's just that everything's changing mm-hmm. uh, and it's changing faster now than it, than it ever has. So when I, when I started, you know, when dad was talking about, yeah, he's, he's writing very successful uh, at that as he kind of isn't with, with anything, but, um, transitioned to TV and I remember him talking about it 
And he said, Hey, you know, there's the outdoor channel. We're going to try and make a TV show here. I'm going to call it hunting adventures. And I was like, uh, you know, kid in high school. And I said, hunting adventures, like great name, dad, <laughs> uh, as if that's ever going to work. And, um, and, and he, and he did it. But at that, that time, you know, that was, you could have a whole career doing that. You could be successful just in the outdoor space. People would know you. It's, it was like a big deal. Um, to have a, a TV show. And, and nowadays, like you said, everything is changing so quickly. Um, you know, even you know, with the AI stuff nowadays, I mean, one week something's popular, next week it's something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a really turbulent time to be uh, a human, but also especially creative. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, do you like it? What do you think? I mean, what do you prefer? Did you prefer the, the TV setting with the 21 minutes or you guys had the professional, which I think was an hour long Show, uh, yeah, right? Uncharted was an hour. Yeah. Out, Uncharted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what's your preference? Like if you could do whatever you wanted, what would you prefer? I'd prefer there are, are no boundaries whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something like uh, this recent film, Once We Were Wolves, that was a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. So nobody is saying, hey, it's got to be a certain length. No one's saying, hey, you know, we got to make sure we tell this particular story and people are going to be offended if you tell it in this way. Um, because... You know, those are all variations of, uh, you know, the, the of, of reality, of what, of what the truth is, right? Like humans, we love to, um, we love to kind of twist what the truth really is, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's the reality in life? We always like, we're either we're afraid of it or we don't want to admit things. You know, we don't like talking about death, for instance, you know, things that are all things that are looming over us. We don't, mm-hmm. um, like to dwell too much on, on sadness or, um, people's problems. You know, you say, how are you doing today? Everybody says, I'm great. You know, they're lying half the time, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I like, I think, as a, again, as a creative, as a storyteller, I'm looking for a way to tell whatever the, whatever I feel in my heart, whatever the truth is, you know? And, honesty, and, yeah. Yeah, honesty. Yeah, mm-hmm. like something that's authentic. Um, is that, yeah. and you felt you were able to do that with Once We Were Wolves? Yeah, uh, I do. And I'm very, uh, again, thankful for, for you and Kip for allowing me to be on that, that trip. Um, it's, uh, yeah, again, there, we could tell whatever story we wanted. You didn't tell me that you wanted me to show anything or not show anything. Kip was the same way. Uh, you gave me a lot of time, you know, to kind of figure my way out as, you know, around into sort of what the story is and to edit it and to get it, you know, where we want it to be. Um, but yeah, there, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a pretty special experience just from, you know, from my side. Cause often, you know, even though that's now been released, I just checked it. I think it's like 560,000 views or something in eight mm-hmm. days, which is amazing when you're putting it together. Um, you know, it's just me and a, another guy on a computer Yeah, and that's it. You know, how did, where did that concept come from once we were wolves? I mean, because I didn't, that title was a surprise to me. Okay. Yeah. And so tell me where it came from and what it, what it means to you. Okay. Um, I, uh, I worked at a, uh, corporate, um, a corporation years and years ago for a summer, you know, I was in university and, uh, I hadn't, I don't know. I don't want to speak for everybody, just my experience. Okay. My experience is that, uh, people today it's, and I'm going to say, you know, men mostly, but it's, it's everybody just cause you know, my experience is obviously from working mostly with men, but, um, we get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we, you know, uh, have our coffee, we make fruit loops for the kids, take a train or a bus or a, um, car to, to work. And then we sit in an office for nine hours mm-hmm. and we're under fluorescent lights and it's necessary, right? I understand that that's necessary, 
but it's not why we live, in my opinion. Um, and I think that, you know, when I was working in this, this office space, I would sit there and I'd be looking at my Excel spreadsheets and I'd look out the window and you see the mountains and the, and the trees and the- What city was this? Uh, this is in LA, actually. Oh, LA, Just okay. I was in or like Orange County, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't see many mountains, but I, you know, I was, I'm sort of speaking figuratively. Yeah. figuratively. Um, and I've always thought that there, there, there's just like, there's gotta be something in us that says there's, there's more to living than this. And then, mm-hmm. so I started thinking, okay, like, why do I feel that way? And, um, if you look back to, you know, way back forever ago, um, dogs, our dogs <laughs> now, like our, I have a little, you know, two pound, uh, I don't know what it what is this like a Shih Tzu or something at home. Um, it was once a wolf, mm-hmm. right? It once had to, you know, kill things to survive, right? You know, life or death struggle every day. And I think that over time, um, we don't even think about it. And we just look at it. We just see a dog, but that was once a wolf. And I think, you know, humans, there's some similarities there and it comes out um, sometimes in feelings that we don't even quite, you know, realize uh, what they are. Right. Yeah. I, you know, we hadn't even talked about that really that I remember, but I defined it the other day because people were like, wait, what do you mean? We weren't wolves. Right. And I'm like, oh God. So, you know, sometimes connecting the dots is difficult for, you know, everybody has a different mindset. They're, they're interpreting things differently. And so I just explained it kind of like what you did with, yes, once dogs were wolves and man, even though we might be like your Shih Tzu or whatever it is, yeah. your dog back home, we're that version as a man compared to what we used to be. And so, yeah, I get the symbolism. I, I get that analogy, but I was just curious um, how you came up with it. Oh, and it makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Um, and I think most people <laughs> aren't weren't confused by it, but I was just curious how we got to that title. Yeah, uh, I was just, you know, oh, okay, I actually know. Um, there is a movie that I've always loved. I love the name of, and it's actually called Once We Were Warriors. Mm. And that was made, I think it's in New Zealand. Mm. I remember hearing about that and I thought, wow, that's a freaking awesome name. I love that. Yeah. And then making this, I was trying to think about like what the actual theme of this was. Like why, um, you know, what's so special about this? What's special about, you know, someone like Roy, mm-hmm. right? Um, to me, a guy like Roy harkens back to, even though I've never met him, harkens back to, you know, the old days when we were wolves. Right. We weren't afraid, you know, when we... Uh, and so, yeah, that's where the, you know, that's where the title came up. Did you have the idea or the storyline in your head before we went on the hunt? No. That all came. So we experienced the hunt, the highs, the lows, everything. We got home and then this concept came in, in mind. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So I don't know about you. Um, I don't, and, you know, I want to clarify that um, you and I are both lucky enough to have gone on you know, lots of adventures in, in our lifetime, you more so than me, but I, you know, because of who my dad was, I was always, you know, he was taking me all over the world with him. So, um, I'm not trying to imply that this was like, you know, some crazy, ridiculous, unique experience. Um, you know, cause I, th- I don't think that would be faithful to, you know, again, guys like, you know, my dad who have, you know, do that stuff all the time or, or, or like our guy, Johnny, um, who, right, yeah, li- I mean, basically lives up there for part mm-hmm. of the year, right? Like in my mind, those are the real, you know, legit yeah. tough guys. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, but it kind of came to me after when I was on the plane ride home and I was thinking about what happened and I thought, you know, I was thinking about the blizzard and us being trapped up there. And I, I think I wrote a, a social media post about, um, you know, the idea that, 
we get so comfortable these days, you know, living in our houses with our air conditioning and like, oh, we're too cold if it's 70 and we're too warm if it's 73. So it's got to mm-hmm. be somewhere they can't decide with 71 or 72. <laughs> um, and then you're up there and you're sitting and, and the, a blizzard socks you in for three days. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. You go outside, you die. You know, your tent rips, you know, you're in a lot of trouble. Like um, that was a unique feeling uh, for me anyway. And, and so that, you know, sort of down the road of um, trying to fall like, you know, what, how could I tell a, a hour long you know, story that, that was true to that sort of feeling that I had at the time. So. Yeah. Well, you did a, a great job with it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it had been done for, I don't know how long the film had been done before we, we released it. I mean, at least a year. Right? I was, yeah, the le- I think like 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, actually you should you know, tell me, I was definitely, when I put that together, I was like, okay, this is going to rock. And then, you know, we showed you and, and I think in the beginning you were kind of into it. And then, uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we just kind of sat for a while. Yeah. I mean, the reservation I had and, uh, you know, I shared it with a few people and it was, and it was what tainted the hunt. I don't know what, I don't want to say tainted the whole adventure because the adventure was special in its own way, but what tainted the hunt for me was I bow hunt and that's all I do. And the fact that I couldn't get that grizzly killed with, with just my bow, it just felt, I don't know. It just didn't feel good to me. And it's like, I, you know, bow hunting means so much to me and I want to protect the integrity of, of what it means to be a bow hunter and having a rifle come into play, uh, kind of, soiled that in my mind and so i just needed i didn't want people to watch it and think that oh so this guy he bow hunts his whole life and he still can't you know he can't even get so why are people even bow hunting what why would you bow hunt a grizzly if you can't get it done and it's not that's not the case because it i have killed a lot of not grizzly but brown bear which are bigger than grizzly and a lot of other big animals so it, it wasn't the fact that bow hunting quote failed it was i failed right in my shooting and and um you know, I didn't make the shot that I needed to make to kill that, that bear quickly and ethically. And so part of me was like almost selfish, maybe, you know, I could say I want to protect bow hunting, but also it was like, maybe I was protecting my own ego. I don't know. But after time and I felt like, um, I just felt like more, I felt good, not good, but I felt okay with sharing it because I don't know why. I actually don't know why. I, I don't know why. I've- I think, I mean, I can make a, a stab. Um, first of all, I think that, you know, knowing you now as, as I do from working on the podcast, um, I think it'd be accurate to say that a lot of what you do in your life, um, if you feel like something's going to have a negative effect on what you're passionate about, and let's say bow hunting is a big part of your life, um, I think that weighs heavily in your decisions. And I don't, I honestly, and, and you know, I looked through the YouTube comments, right? A thousand of them so far. Um, there's a few ones in there that say, hey, you know, Cam, you know, is whatever. He's a pussy because he, you know, some guy shot the the, the bear charging at him. And, um, but I don't think that that's what you cared about. You know, knowing you, you don't, you don't care about that kind of stuff. You don't care what other people think. I think it's, I think it's, you know, you just, you didn't want to have a, a negative impact on bow hunting. You didn't want an action you took and a decision you made to, you know, have make fewer bow hunters in the world. Mm-hmm. I really think that I, I didn't want anybody to be able to use that as an example of 
why bow hunting shouldn't be allowed essentially or why it's uh, a less than option with regard to hunting because and i i said this i i don't know where i said it at the comment or a post but i do think that bow hunting is still the most merciful way to kill an animal because many times an animal doesn't know it's been hit with an arrow it's there's a shock factor with their their gun there's a loud report there's you know uh devastation because they're killing by shock so it's breaking bone and ripping apart muscle and there's no mistake what happened whereas with bow hunting i've killed a lot of animals that never knew that arrow zipped through their chest and they're out there they're very physical animals especially grizzlies or or big bulls and um they get jabbed and hit and cut all the time but they don't get shot all the time so there's a big difference between an arrow going through them and a bullet going through them and let's not pretend that every rifle kill is clean either sure um you know with long range shooting and rifles i think there's plenty of opportunity for people to take a 700 yard shot not know exactly where the animal was when they shot and not be able to or the animal doesn't react because it's so far or maybe they can't see the reaction so they don't think they hit it so maybe they don't go follow up or if they do follow up maybe they don't go to the exact spot the animal was so it's not you know hunting and i'm not trying to pick on anything bow hunting or rifle hunting i'm just saying hunting is an imperfect right. endeavor because there's a human involved and humans aren't perfect right and we're trying to kill something and and death isn't always clean there's right it's uh so nothing's going to be perfect but in my mind a merciful bow kill is the best way best death to offer an animal and i still believe that despite my my failure on the grizzly but that's that's my thought of it so that's like always going in in my head and it's hard to you know, I got a lot of these bulls here where I can show the, the video and I hit the bull perfect and it ran 50 yards and piled up. So I have evidence there that, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I didn't have it on that one. And that was like, that would weight on me for sure. The uh, funny, you mentioned uh, humans are imperfect, right? And, uh, you know, again, coming from the creative side, looking for stories to tell the best stories, the stories that, that, that matter are the stories where, where people are imperfect, right? Because that's, again, coming back to, that's real. People are, are we are not, other than in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Arnold, we're not, we're not perfect. Right. Um, and even in Hollywood, all those guys have, you know, they've got flaws. Like, oh, you, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, again, going back to the movie, that's something that struck me too, uh, you know, the opening scene of that when you're in Alaska. Um, and you can tell, you know, by the way, and I even, this is actually me genuinely surprised at the time. I remember thinking, oh, wow, like this is like, no joke, you know, um, you're holding your hands, I think, like this, and uh, looking out the window, and you're kind of very subdued, very quiet. You know, you've been you've been kind of sort of jolly the whole trip, right? Because you're you're on a hunt, and then and then your your demeanor totally changed. And when you went and visited Roy's house, that was you being very vulnerable, right? And I mean, you're a like a vulnerable person is not not the way I would describe you generally, right? I'd say you're you're stoic, right? So. Um, I think that again, talking about the movie, that's the stories that matter. The stories that are most impactful are those that can have an emotional connection between people. And you do that by showing people being vulnerable and saying, I'm just like you, mm-hmm. I'm just another human. We're all imperfect. You know, let's move on, <laughs> share stories, move on, but let's not pretend we're something we're not. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
I don't know. It's like we've both been involved in hunting television for quite a while. Yeah. You, you much more than me. I mean, I hated cameras. I hate, I did it because I wanted to hunt more and these people would sponsor or pay me to go on hunts. And I was like, I thought this is the greatest life ever. Um, but I didn't like it. And I think, and I'm not, I don't, you know, we don't need to cite examples, but a lot of people, when you talk about perfection, they would have ta taken that hunt and that whole rifle part would have been on the cutting room floor. Right. The shot would have been the bow shot and then bear run off and then they go up and recover the bear. It's like no rifle mention, no nothing, just like, oh, yeah, I made a perfect shot and the bear died quickly. And that's hunting television. Yeah, that is. Yeah. For, for a lot of programs because it's it's selling something. It's like we don't want to show failures, as you mentioned. Nobody likes to. Um, but, you know, being authentic, I think, is a big part of hunting. I mean, if, if you want people to understand hunting, you have to be real because hunting is so real. It's we're out there trying to kill an animal. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be failures. There's going to be you know, challenges that you didn't foresee that you you maybe weren't up to the task. But when you wipe all that out and say, no, every time I go out, I make this perfect shot, this animal dies everything's good, you know, no harm, no foul. It's not real. Yeah. And, uh, I remember I was working for Eastman's and I, all I wanted my hunts to be back then. And I think they still use the tagline, but I was, I just said, this is as real as it gets. And that's what we're always trying to do for me. I don't know. What's your goal on that? Trying to keep it real always. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, and dad was always like that too. Was he? Right. Yeah. Um, he was, he was always very much like, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, the shot, uh, we're getting very specific down the, the road here of outdoor TV, but you know, the shots where, uh, the camera would be in front of like the hunters and they'd be sneaking up on yeah. the animal and the camera yeah. guys right in the open. Uh, you know, dad was like, no, 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 we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not doing that, you know, and you get what you get. Mm -hmm. Right. So I learned, uh, working with him that the best approach was to just be rolling the whole time, mm -hmm. which you guys found out in Alaska when I was rolling, when you would wake up your eyes in the morning, <laughs> open up your eyes in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause you never, you know, that's the real stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the time spent around the campfires and, and joking while you're making coffee in the morning, uh, that's that's endearing. That's that's part of the adventure. It's not really I, I actually think you're, you're doing a little bit of a, of a disservice if you only show people, you know, an animal being shot. I don't I don't think that's an accurate representation of what you're doing and more importantly, why you're doing it. That's true. You know, and we were kind of handcuffed with outdoor television with 21 minutes and you had 21 yeah, sure. minutes to mm -hmm. tell the whole thing. Plus in that time you had to also make sure your sponsors were, you know, you had the, the glassing shot where you could see the loophole or whoever it is. And so that's not, that's sort of the hunt. Yeah. It's not really the hunt. That's like, we do what we got to do because, Hey, this airtime is expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And uh, yeah. with, that's why I love the YouTube format nowadays and having that freedom. And I'm, you must really love it, but it's like, um, I think that's how I had, I always had a big problem with, I can't really say hunting magazines, but it's sort of the same and hunting television because we're only preaching to the choir. People who buy a hunting magazine are hunters. People who watch the outdoor channel, they're already hunting. You're not, you're not, opening the door into like new people. You know what I mean? You're not exposing somebody to our way of life. Whereas now we can, you yeah. know, we can with YouTube because it's not all sorts of people come across that video. Anyone with the link. 
And so to me, it's, it's a pretty exciting time to be able to expose people to, to what we do and why it's important without the restrictions of sponsors and different things like that. And I feel like that's where it feel like to me, knowing you now, you've been kind of biding your time until now, you know, because you're created, you were, you were handcuffed a little bit. I mean, you guys push envelope on a lot on, on the professionals and on uncharted as much as you could. But now I feel like it's even to another level and you can really be as creative as you want, still tell the story you want to tell in the way you want to tell it. That must feel good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, and, and again, that comes because ultimately you say, uh, Hey, film what you film on the trip. And, uh, even though it took you a little bit, you're, you're, you're okay with showing it, mm-hmm. you know, you're okay with me showing you, you know, making a, a mistake or failing. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, not everybody is like that. So again, you know, without that, I don't think you have, you've got a, a shell of what the story really is. So, you know, it's not authentic anymore. Yeah. It's, um, how was that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you have filmed me, I don't know how many times you film me, but, um, who's worse to film me or your dad? Ooh, good one. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, ooh. <clears throat> you know, you guys are actually a lot alike. Um, you're very, uh, you're extremely driven and you expect the best from everybody around you. And that, um, you know, that includes, I mean, everybody from the, the guides to, uh, the, the camera guys, um, everyone. And, um, and, and, you know, as I think you should, and, and both of you operate in, um, oftentimes, you know, dangerous situations like, you know, you know, quote unquote, life or life or death situations. Um, so I would say who, who's harder, who's more difficult. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. It might be a tie. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> dad was, you know, d- dad and I had that dynamic because, you know, I'm his son. Yeah. Right. And, um, not only am I his son, but also, uh, you know, if you look at my sister's, you know, history, she, she went into hunting, right? She was in front of the camera on hunting adventures. She was traveling the world with dad and then did her own thing in the hunting space, was very successful. Uh, and I never did, right? I had a conversation with dad when I was um, probably 15 or so. And I, I remember this to this day because I've never seen um, my dad shed a tear before, right? Mm. He's kind of like, you very stoic. And uh, we started talking and he was all excited because he wanted to bring me out to the, the whitetail uh, stand he had all set up, right? Mm-hmm. In Saskatchewan. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was like, dad, I, I don't think it's for me. I don't think that purely hunting like that, like I, 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 I totally get it. I love what it does, but it's not like, I, I like hunting, but it's not my passion, mm-hmm. right? I've got a camera. I want to tell stories. I'm getting to that. This is exciting. Um, you know, and, and he, it was hard for him to understand that like he did, mm-hmm. but I could tell at that moment that that hurt him. Cause he's look, he, he wants me by the stand in the stand with him and, mm-hmm. you know, sitting there while the, the deer are coming in and, and, you know, put him, his arm around me, like father, son type thing. Yeah. And I'm kind of telling, I'm saying like, I'm, you know, my destiny is not in, in that world. I don't mm-hmm. think, or at least not in front of the camera in that world. And so that was always, that'll always make it a little bit harder for me, a little bit, you know, deeper for me. As much as I, I think you're horrible too out, out to be out there. <laughs> yeah, no, her, um, it, it, yeah it, it adds to the degree of difficult challenge, I guess, with your dad. Or I don't know, maybe yeah. maybe not challenge. I mean, he has to. I think he has to respect your talents, though, 
because I see him talk about them all the time and yeah. I don't think it's just whatever. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm joking a little bit. Um, dad and I had, and still do, I, I still, I still want to, I've been meaning to, I want to call dad up and, uh, you know, do something, do some, you know, some adventure somewhere. Cause we haven't for years. Right. Mm. And he's gone off, you know, he has his museum there in Canada now. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, I'd love to do a film with him, you know, now that both of us have kind of, you know, done different things and gone different ways for a while and come back and, and full circle and do something like Uncharted was again. And I, you know, he's just such a, as much as I'm joking about it, but, but both you and, and him are, um, you know, well, the ones who are wolves things, right? You guys are the, in my mind, sort of represent the wolves. Yeah. He, uh, man, he's just iconic. Everybody knows Jim Shockey, but now, and it's like, it's weird how <clears throat> time passes and people get older and things change. Yeah. And like, there's sometimes I even think that like there's bow hunters right now who might not even know who Fred Bear is. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. So now there could be people who've watched what we do, who know you from this, but don't really know your dad. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't yeah. that? Mm -hmm. it, yeah. It, time never stops. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. Cause he hasn't been on TV as much, you know, and it hasn't been the thing. So it's just like, to me, I think it, something like that, if for no other reason, it just keeps that, I mean, he's still here. He's, yeah, he's still here. He's yeah. still yeah. here. It's like, yeah. don't forget Jim Shockey. Mm -hmm. He was the original, you know, badass hunter. You know, I mean, the bandana, the the pants tucked in the socks, the socks, socks on the on arms. arms. Socks on his arms, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was the, the no guff, as real as it gets, original. Yeah. And pave the way in hunting television for what a lot of guys do now and your creativity of telling those stories played a big part of that and so it's i hate the i mean archery to me and hunting in general is about tradition and um and heritage and paying homage to those before us and that's why you know a film with your dad if you guys i don't know i i mean it would be you know, maybe he's not as good as he once was back in the day, but uh, it'd still be a pretty amazing story. I bet he can still get after it. He's a he's a tough I, guy. Yeah, he and I would never. You know, Dad is one guy I've learned uh, many times in life. Anytime I think, oh, you know, he, I don't think he can do that, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he can start this museum in the middle of a small town I grew up in and it's be some huge success. Uh, he don't always, underestimate him. No, he find, yeah. he's kind of like you. He just he just he sets his, his sights on something, mm -hmm. and and that, that's it. You know, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter if right. it's supposed to be impossible. He just does it. And so, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to call him after this, and <laughs> we're going to see something okay. up. But I, I guarantee you, he would he would do it. He'd be great. Yeah, yeah. It, his is it Hand of Man Museum. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and that's I mean, I think he also another part when I think of Jim Shockey, of course the adventures, but also the. Uh, you know, the places where he'd go and the places he'd hunt is the people that he interacted with. That was always a big part of your show. Huge. Is, you know, learning different cultures and sharing those cultures. And so right. that's what the museum is doing. A big part of it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's the history of the animals, but also of the culture. Yeah. Well, yeah. So remember, and Kip said this in the, in the Once for Wolves uh, movie, he said, that hunters, you know, used to be explorers, explorers were hunters, right? Like that, that's a big part of why we, you would go over the next mountain pass or you try and, you know, follow the caribou, whatever you're doing. 
uh, because you're looking to you know survive for sustenance and, and you you had to explore mm-hmm. right and then that evolved into you know obviously there's you're not climbing up Mount Everest to eat dinner that night right that's a, that's a little different um, but then that got tied into what hunting is now because we don't necessarily go hunt mm-hmm. only because you know we can go buy our food from the grocery store right so why do we go and do things why do we go why do we go hunt why do we travel to Alaska and go hunt you know whatever moose and I remember asking dad that and uh, you know because I you know I went through my high school phase and I was kind of like you know like wondering about you know the world and like why people do things and he said <clears throat> I remember this uh, he said he he said there's a guy named George Mallory right George Mallory I don't know if you're familiar, you're familiar? yeah okay so uh, he was, you know, one of the most famous climbers and he was trying to climb Everest way back before uh, they ever did. And, and uh, a reporter went up to him, you know, I think that, I think it was in London or something. Right. And he said, uh, you know, why would you want to climb Everest? And Mallory said, because it's there. <laughs> right. And like, yeah. you know, and I thought about that. I'm like, you know, that that's all you really need. Yeah. Right. That's it. It's there. Yeah. It's uh, to me, hunting is the, the ultimate test you know, because we don't have to do it. But if you do delve into it, you're going to have to be at your best to get it done out there. And some of those wild hunts, there's all sorts of different types of hunts, but, um, the hunts that we love in the mountains, it's a big test. There's, you're tested in every way possible, physical, mental, emotionally. And that's, that's what I love about it. Um, because these animals, you know, they're not going to, they're not cutting you any slack. They don't care how hard you worked. They don't, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. you, they're built to survive. If we do it right, we're built to kill because that's what man has done. That's how we've survived. We have to kill. That's life begets life begets death. This is how it works. Um, so when we're at our best, they're at their best. We're at our best. That's a chess match yeah. and that's the test. Right. And then the reward for that test is, yeah, you got some meat, you got some meat for your family, but it's, that's just a part of it. It's part There's of it. a hundred right. different parts to it. Right. You know, but the biggest part is it's a, it's a, you're testing yourselves. Right. Um, you know, I, I was thinking, I wonder, even though I had reservations about sharing it, I think that that part of me, you know, not making a perfect shot. Do you think that that made the film better? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, it added this, the store a different storyline yeah i mean and obviously i would never wish you know for a bad shot right mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's not like i'm holding the camera thinking like oh i really hope cam makes a horrible shot here um but the fact that and you know and also there's there's an element i think people think oh like films or, or hunting films in particular they're only good if they're you know something dangerous happens right mm-hmm. and i i don't believe that's true um i don't i think that's a very minor part of it and, you know, you can quickly look online and see people in the world doing way more dangerous stuff than what we were doing. Right. Yeah. You know, look at all the, you know, Ukraine videos right now. Oh, right. Um, so, but yeah, I think that it showed, again, it showed you, you know, the campaigns you're not supposed to, or at least people in their minds, your, their perception is you don't fail at things, right? Mm-hmm. You wake up in the morning, you run 26 miles, whatever it is, <laughs> you can do it mm-hmm. every day. You don't complain. Uh, and they saw you make a mistake, even with all the everything else, even with being as perfect as you could be on the training side, you made a mistake. And that again, shows you as being vulnerable. And I, I, you know, I keep hitting on that, but that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, and the truth and vulnerability are kind of hand in hand. It's just real life. Yeah. And I think that plays into the film. It's better. I, I would, I would have, if you would, and you, know, you would never say this, but if you would have said, you know, cut that out, make it look like I just made a perfect shot. I would have done it to be honest. Mm-hmm. I would have said fine, but 
um, I wouldn't have respected you the way I do now in the future. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM. CAM for 20% off your first order. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is the Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee was a quote, we're not here blend and with what looks like a picture of Joe Biden on the front. Sounds about right. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran-owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. For some people, it's just, it's just an hour to spend time watching a cool film. Yeah. To me, I've thought about, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot in that hunt for me. Um, but I thought about that moment specifically, and I had that, that bear was coming in, and I was at full draw the first time, and I know you were upset I didn't shoot this because it was perfect. I was in perfect spot. The yeah. light, <laughs> everything was perfect. But the bear was slightly quartering to me, mm -hmm. ever so slightly. And it's like, as a bow hunter, and I, I never, you know, I think the best bow hunters, and I'm not saying I'm good, I'm just saying I've been out there a lot, and it's just like, it's angles of the animal. If you're going to kill with an arrow, everything has to be, you have to be as perfect as you can as far as when you're going to shoot. So I was at full draw, bear is at 50-some yards, slightly quartering, and I said, I was thinking to myself, I don't want to take a, a quartering two shot, and... And I'm looking at the exact angle and it's just like, then the bear turned a little bit, got even worse then kind of straight on. So that's when I, I let up. But when you're thinking about everything in that small of detail, you have to be looking at every, everything, every factor, feeling the wind on your face, waiting, reading that bear's body language. And I was just staring and you don't want to stare right in the eyes. I had my head down a little bit because those animals can feel that they feel something if you're wow. staring and you know a, a prey animal can feel a predator staring at them for whatever reason the sixth sense and so you to me I'm always like looking at their feet or their hooves or whatever I'm hunting I'm never looking at their eyes because when you lock eyes with something it knows wow so I'm just like watching that bear peeking under my brim and I'm like I, I gotta wait and then Bear went and got 
more quarter and two or more broadside, less quarter and two. And then I thought, this is it. And for whatever reason, I was a couple inches to the left. And, um, you know, obviously bear was hurt because it let five guys get within whatever, Yeah, you know, every, all of us were within probably 40 yards of it or 30 yards. So, um, it was close. It was close to, you know, maybe if we would have waited, you know, five more minutes, maybe the bear would have been dead, but it wasn't. But it's just like, I've thought about that so many times that shot. And what was I thinking and what did I do? How did I screw that up? Cause I thought I was being disciplined. I thought I was doing everything right. I wasn't even ner I never get nervous now. I've, no matter what the animal is, I'm just like, no, this is what I do. I just gotta, you know, this is, this is what I do. And I still don't know what, what happened. And it's just like, that's like, whew. it just eats me up. Yeah. You know, my dad was like that too. If he ever made a bad shot, that would, that would haunt him. And it's not because of, you know, I think there's a, a little bit there because he, like you, uh, put his life and soul into being a hunter. That's what he did. Right. That's or what, that's what he does. That's who he is. Literally who he is. Right. Jim Shockey, yeah. the hunter. Right. Mm -hmm. So part of it is he wants to be good. Um, but I would just like, this is identical to what he would go through. If he ever made a bad shot, you know, he was shooting a muzzle loader. So mm -hmm. there's some variability there. Um, he would never, ever, ever would he, I never heard him once say, Hey, you know, that was somebody else's fault. Right. It's not the guide's fault. It's not the Cameron's fault. It's not, no, but it's me. Mm -hmm. I decided to pull trigger. I made a bad shot, but he would beat himself up over it. Uh, just like you're, and he would, and I just, I mean, you know, for hours, hours and days, you know, just going through his mind and, and repeat it. And he'd, he'd watch the footage a bunch of times. He talked to me about it, talked to the guy about it. Um, and it was hard for me to understand at the time, like, why was he beating himself up so bad over this? Um, but, you know, now spending time with you, I, I understand that a little bit more, right? It's not just about, you know, it's not an ego thing. Mm -hmm. there, there's more to it than that. It's almost like you're not being true to yourself. Like you're kind of uh, like, this is supposed to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you made, you weren't, I don't know, you weren't perfect. Yeah. It's it's tough. A, how I looked at it is when I was just first getting sponsored, first getting opportunities, I always thought that they could hire anybody to go out there and fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Anybody can do that. Uh -huh. They hired me. Cause I got it done. I got it done every single time. So that's, that's what, that was the expectation. It's not to go out and like, just go have a good trip. And if you fail, it's fine. No, I need to succeed every single time. And it actually, you know, I, I was, <laughs> I was working, I killed four bulls one time and, um, I was, I'm hosting this TV show and they said that, yeah, there's concerns that you're, you make it look too easy. And I was just like, <laughs> so now, so I'm getting beat up now for being too prepared and too ready and being too good at It's just, I felt like I thought it, that was the hardest thing for me to take. And I quit working for, for this, that, that place, because I can't be trying to be my best and then also judge for being, getting it done. Right. It's like, right. So, yeah. See, but I love, I love, <clears throat> there's part of this that I, I like because, I, you know, again, I'm not, you know, I haven't been doing this for 50 years or anything, but I, <laughs> I've, uh, 
the gray hairs on the side of my head will tell you, I've been here long enough now on the hunting industry side to see an evolution, right? I remember we were doing the professional series and if we didn't have a kill shot and we would call them kill shots, we didn't have a kill shot in every mm. episode. It's not an episode. That's it. So if you have 13 episodes in a season, you need 13 kill shots minimum. And, you know, often two per episode because our perception was that's what people want to see, right? Um, now we got to, we, did, we had a, a, a trip to Nepal. And it was, you know, for me being, you know, even though, again, like I said, I, I, I love hunting. I love being a part of it. I love being part of the venture. But um, Nepal, even though it wasn't the most successful hunt per se, it's not like we were, you know, hammering animals every day. Stacking like, them up. Yeah. Right. It was a hell of an adventure. Mm-hmm. And so, I remember that. Okay. I mean, because you guys were in the some little, I don't know if it's a town or a village, but weren't they having a ceremony and there wasn't our dead body was at the place? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're in Kat, yeah, Kathmandu, and they're they're literally burning. A, I remember that uh, I can still smell it because it has a particular type of smell, and they're burning a body right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just and and um, so that was in the city, but then outside, you know, once we got into the hunt in the mountains, um, for the channel, right? They want thirteen episodes, and we had to make four episodes out of a Nepal series, okay, mm-hmm. out of our Nepal trip, and it was only ten days long, and we got back to the edit suite and. Episode three, I started cutting it together and episode three had no kill shots. And I remember sitting with dad and saying, okay, we're going to release an episode. And this is, you know, that was everything back, back then to me. Right. I mean, I think don't, don't get me really Don't have the impression that, you know, I was driving around in Bentleys or anything and like crazy. What successful. was everything? What do you mean? Like the series, the, the success okay. of the show was oh, everything gotcha. to me. Yeah. Right. So if it failed, I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. finding another, <laughs> another, mm-hmm. another job. Um, and uh, so we sat down and we said, okay, we're going to do episode three and there's not going to be a kill shot because we don't have enough. And we said, okay. Um, and dad said, yeah, let's, let's try it. But that was like unheard of. Hunting shows don't, don't, don't do that. Well, I don't even remember the kill shot. Or, right. I mean, on any yeah. of the shows. Right. But right. I, what I remember is that ceremony. Right. And, but, and that's the thing. To the point. That's to we the point. We, we don't give people, and particularly hunters, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Mm-hmm. There's more to us than just going out there and drinking beers and hammering animals. That's not who we are. Right. And and that was our most successful, you know, four part series we've ever done. And there's never a single complaint there wasn't a kill shot, just like what you said. Right. I, so, like I said, I don't remember. So right. yeah, I think that is the, uh, yeah, we, you know, and maybe that's just how it works. That's how at, at first you had to keep people's attention, you know, cause we're competing with Hollywood movies where there's shootouts right. and, and, you know, naked women and freaking who knows what money and cars. And it's like explosions. And now you're supposed to have somebody watch a hunt with no kill shot. Yeah. That's tough because of the attention span. That's why it's crazy to see. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's also pretty cool to see. We had an hour long film once we were wolves and even in this day and age of like what they say, like on social media, if you don't have their attention in two or three seconds on yeah. your reel, yeah. then you lost it. So the attention span is two to three seconds. And we had an hour long film and this many people have watched it. Right. I mean, yeah, that, I, yeah. It, I don't know if, I don't know what it means, but I like it. Well, I think it means that even the, even though, yeah, there's, there's computer, I don't know what, you know, there's com- AIs, computer banks, mm-hmm. all kinds of people literally trying to figure out a way for, to keep us glued onto these screens. Right. Right. Um, and they're damn good at it. 
Like, I mean, I admit it. Sometimes I get lost in there and, you know, yeah. I, I blink, I'm, I'm watching like a cat video. I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it says something that, you know, a few dudes can go out into Alaska um, and not really even be thinking about what, what we're filming, but, but just be true enough and like authentic enough and then come back. And that catches people's attention and, and, and has an emotional impact way more than, you know, the 30 second cat videos can ever do. There's, they, as good as, you know, the uh, Zuckerbergs and the, you know, whoever the, the computers running on that stuff, as good as they are, they don't fully understand, I think, who we are, mm-hmm. right? Deep down somewhere. And maybe we don't fully understand, but like something resonates. And I think that, you know, that trip, it's not, it's not, I don't even think it's the hunting element that really resonated. I think it's like the, more like the brotherhood element, like the, yeah, there's something there that, that resonates with people. And I, um, truthfully, I don't, always know that, right? Like I don't, when we released that, I didn't know that that was going to resonate like it did. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy to hear that, but yeah. Um, I'm very, anyway, I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to even, t- you know, try to attempt to, to tell a story like that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I expected when we released it, I expected a lot of negativity. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, there, I think there's, I remember one that said, uh, Something like I was walking around trying to act like a badass the whole time or something like that. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You didn't look like a badass with your uh, eye covers on at night. <laughs> I don't remember trying to act like a badass. I don't, I don't know. It's weird when you, when you read some of these things and you, then you are watching it and I'm like, what am I missing? What are they seeing? Where, where am I acting like a, it didn't seem like I was trying to act like a badass, but I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, you're You're crying on (laughs) in front of 500,000 people. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I, point is, I expected a lot more of that because, and I don't, you know, I, I try to be pretty authentic with what I do. You know, everybody kind of slants it to make themselves look good. Just like whatever. Yeah. Try not to be too crazy with that. Um, but, uh, I expected because I failed, it was going to be like a open season on bashing me. You know what I mean? Cause right. hunters it's weird. Hunters can be God, the most judgmental it feels like. And I think it's because all hunters think they're the biggest badasses out there. You know, I guess I'll include me cause I was walking around acting like a badass apparently, but <laughs> everybody thinks that they would make the perfect decision. They watched the film. They said, Oh, you should have done this. I was stupid to do that. You this and that. I expected a lot more of that. And it's like, it's, there hasn't been that much. Mostly what it's been is that and I can't remember how it was worded. Um, how, how did we word that where we opened the door into, or, uh, they made a connection from hunter to non-hunter. How do you remember how we worded that? Or I wrote it, I think maybe Kip said it, but, uh, anyway, it, it showed people who hadn't grown up hunting our whole lives. It showed them there was more to hunting than maybe what they thought. Sure. And it was just like, it, it was just that the the open the window into, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. remember how we worded it, but it made a lot of sense. And it was just like, it did something different than most hunting films do. I think is the point to that. Right. Which, and, and today, again, in today's world where you're inundated with, with noise, right? Digital mm-hmm. noise is everywhere. It's hard to get away from. Um, I don't, I personally try not to take that lightly. So if I see someone say, Hey, on a comment, I'm paraphrasing, you know, Hey, I watched that film 
And I just want to say that this weekend I'm taking my boys out into the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, instead of doing whatever else we're going to do. Uh, cause I watched that and that was inspiring and, and way to go. Like that kicks ass that to me, that's it. Like mm-hmm. Kip talks about in the, in the film, he said, uh, you know, what do you want to be known as? Right. I don't know what, what exactly you want to be known as. I think it's, I'm going to take guesses, but you, but you could say it better. Um, but that's, uh, that's a special thing. Like where, where I see an impact that you're having. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard to see that sometimes. I think probably for everybody, for me, you know, sitting in front of my, my laptop, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, uh, and you're like wondering what the hell am I doing and <laughs> change, moving the color wheels around and adjusting this shit. Uh, but you see that when people send messages like that. So that, that, I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that gets me up in the morning thinking, okay, like I can, I can leave the world a better place than, uh, than, you know, when I, when I came into it. That's yeah. It. Yeah. You, you made an impact on people. It was it. So you said it was pretty frustrating not to release that. Did you, did you, I think you said you're surprised by the response, but you know, as a filmmaker, man, you're, you're creating something and you want to share it. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, did you feel like that was your best work and it wasn't, wasn't being shared or wasn't, you weren't able to, uh, to impact people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, um, you never told me that. Yeah. Well, because I, I, okay. Yeah. I talked to Kip and, uh, cause I was, you know, I wasn't pissed, but I was like, okay, Cam's not going to do this. But like, I, I, honestly, I was like, I put a shit ton of work into this mm-hmm. and he just doesn't want to release it. And I don't quite understand why. I mean, I, but I get it. And so I talked to Kip about it and he's like, you know, he, he walked me through it. He said, yeah, I think you should release it too. Um, but, and you know, again, this is similar with, with dad too growing up. I, uh, I didn't think it'd be very fruit, fruitful if I said, Hey Cam, I think you're messing up here, you know, mm-hmm. because I put a bunch of work into this, like you owe it to me to release this film. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, I don't <laughs> think that's the right way to approach it. A, it's not really what it's about. It's not my reputation on the line, mm-hmm. right? It's not my career on the line. You know, I can, I can move on from this. If no one ever sees it again, you know, it'd be something I can show my grandkids one day mm-hmm. um, and say, Hey, this is the unreleased, you know, special film or whatever. But no, I, I, even though I didn't understand the reasoning necessarily, I understood that. And I saw that this was important to you that the perception of bow hunting is, is it for you? Right. Like, why yeah. are you here on the earth? I mean, this is part of why you're here. Right. And so I get it. Yeah. I mean, and also I think I finally got to the place where I was good with it because I wanted people to understand Roy and his impact. And I thought that that with your film, you did a, a masterful job of telling that story, the Roy story and, you know, um, he, uh, you know, his legend lives on with that film. And also I think, uh, you know, as hunters, I think people will go back and watch that film when they're trying to explain something to somebody or they're trying to right. like, um, you know, here's what I was talking about. Like, this is what hunting means. And like, that is a frame of reference now. You know what I mean? Without that, if it never saw the light of day, maybe hunting couldn't move forward if it does. Maybe it, it, maybe hunting would have lost something along the way because I don't know, I want to say selfishly, but because of whatever was going on in my own brain, I didn't want to release it. And maybe, maybe it could have helped a handful of people put words into why they do what they do or, 
or what the mountains mean to them or what their friend who they've lost meant to them or something. And so it's like, it's bigger than a hunting film. And so I thought, I thought we owed it to, uh, I don't, not to the craft, uh, not to the adventure, just owed it to why we're here to share a big part of, of my life, yeah. of your life as a creator, yeah. of Kip's life as wanting to be a badass killer mountain man. I felt like I was handcuffing that. Let's look at Kip for a second. Okay. Um, Kip is, uh, you know, ridiculously successful, right? I mean, he co-funded Under Armour. Okay. I mean, that's about as, yeah. <laughs> not, 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 not a whole lot more you can really do. Right. And yeah. most people think, and here he says, um, and he'll tell you this, you know, today, I just want to be a, a badass mountain guy, right? Mm-hmm. That, that stuff where I'm wearing the suit, that isn't me. Right, I got caught up in this stuff. I, corporate you know, ding dong is corporate what ding dong is what he said. Yeah, that's not who he wanted to be. Right? right, he has this, and everybody, you know, on Instagram and all, like the money side and all that. That like, that's success, right? Oh wow, you know, he's he's on a company that got put on the stock exchange. That that's a successful life, right? But Kip wasn't fulfilled by that. I think that we haven't talked about that yet. But that, um, I mean, that that's a really interesting thing. Like to me, in my mind, I'm like, what? Like really? Mm-hmm. Did you really think that Kip or are you just doing that because it's a perception thing? But no, I mean, this is, that's, I mean, I've been to Kip's, you know, place where he lives and stuff. It's nothing fancy. You know, he's yeah. not, he's not living some crazy corporate life on a yacht and then pretending to, you know, be in Alaska and post Instagram pictures. Like he's, he wants to be a, a mountain man like Roy. Mm-hmm. And you look at Roy, right. Um, comes from, you know, uh, financially anyway, you know, like a modest setup. Um, but he, uh, that, that story you told about him where he said uh, he was with the pilot and he's like, you know, I want to take me out uh, hunting. And the pilot said, no, I can only get you 30 miles away or whatever. And Roy said, great, you know, drop me off there. Mm-hmm. That is, there's almost like a freedom in that or something. There's like, you, like you just, I don't know. It, it's, it's, and I don't have the answer to this, but it's an interesting thing to, from a creative side, from a story side, to look at a guy like Kip and a guy like Roy mm-hmm. and say, why does Kip, you know, what, what, what does he see in Roy? Like what, what is, what's the essence? Like what, what's, what's Roy tapped into that, that Kip hasn't. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, the, the, the money is, it's a measure that a lot of people use for success. The money, the cars, the vacations, the women, that's like an easy one. That's a low hanging fruit. Like you, you're successful. You have this stuff. Um, to Roy, and why he impacted people is because he would, he would just go further and do more and get it done. And it was just tougher. And so for a man, what is there better than being tough? Yeah. I mean, society will tell you, you don't need to be tough. You know, you need to accept your feminine side or whatever bullshit they're trying to say. But for a man, they want to, they want respect and they want to be tough. That's what we're, Everybody respected Roy and everybody said he was the toughest guy out there, toughest guy on the mountain. And so, yeah, he is the standard right? to, to guys who really get it, who are honest with themselves, not the guys who want the Lamborghini or the, or, you know, going to, you know, Milan on vacation yeah, and all. Clubs, yeah. yeah. It's it, in the clubs and the drinks. And it was like, it's like that shit. What the fuck right. does that, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. There's millions of people who have that. Right. Not millions of people can go and tell a pilot, drop me off as close as you can get me. If that's 30 miles, fuck it. 
I'll walk. Yeah, fuck it. And that's freedom. And and so and if a guy like Kip, one of the most successful business guys, you know, basically in America, mm-hmm. if he looks at Roy and says, that's the person, that's the type of man that I want to be, imagine how many others are out there. Mm-hmm. How many other guys are sitting in their offices looking out the window, saying, like, there's there's gotta be more than this. And not and I don't even know if they'd full like I'm fortunate enough. I mean, shoot, I, I grew up in a you know with my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I saw, you know, what quote unquote, like, you know, the traditional view of a man like is right. Um, but I don't think like that's the exception to the, to the norm. Right. I think mostly, I'm not sure if they know. Yeah. You know, they got athletes and things like that, but I don't, I think they look out the window and they're like, Oh shit, there's gotta be something else, but they don't understand, uh, what the solution is. Like what, what are they even missing? They don't. And right. hopefully, you know, and again, you know, I hope, hope this impacts people. I hope, Films like this or other other films that 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 look at this, look at look at, um, you know, uh, like a, a brotherhood going out or, or friends going out and, and doing hard, dangerous, adventurous things like that. We'll start to kind of have, if the pendulum swung this way, we'll start to swing a little bit back. You know, and mm-hmm. get maybe we'll go too far eventually. I don't know, but like we'll, I don't know. I just, I just think there's something missing for for a lot of guys out there. Yeah, and that's why I think that the film does resonate with a lot of a lot of people yeah i hope so yeah. i mean yeah and it's uh you know i i've talked about this but writing a story about or a book about roy stories because mm-hmm. he's got you know we you know the one the 30 miles that's one but he's got so many and uh, i have he would send me all his photos and uh you know i would write articles because he wouldn't write an article he wouldn't talk about himself can I ask you a question? So did Roy, I'm just thinking about this as you're saying, did Roy ever say, Hey, like, I want to be like, like that guy. Cause when I see videos of Roy, I see him saying things like, this is what we do. This is who we are. You know, mm-hmm. this is, was he confident in that or was he? When we were young, we had people we looked up to for sure. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Wayne and I talked about this on, on my podcast with him. There was a Jim Hodson. He was a dentist here in Oregon and he came into the slideshow at the bow rack you know, a hundred years ago, 30 years ago. And we were watching his slides from Kodiak Island and he took great photos and, and he had this big album and I still remember it as like a, a big photo album and had all his kills and all his memorable photos, eight by 10 glossy wow. in this photo album. And so he'd bring these photo albums and we'd just be sit there and looking at them. And, you know, we were, we were very young at this time, but it had a big impact on us. So Jim, Jim Hodson, uh, you know, of course, we'd we'd watch Elk Fever with Larry Jones and Dwight Shue. Um, so when we were young, there was guys. You know, Chuck Adams was killing so much. And, sure. You know, he would he would kill. I remember one year he killed. I think it was ten Pope and young animals, and I'm like, you know, a Pope and young animal is hard to get one. I think I'd I'd got like maybe a couple at that time, and then I'm like, this guy can kill ten in a season. And now he's killed five or six world records. And so that was, they were always the guys who, yeah, we looked up to, but then, um, and I'm not saying that's changed because I still have people that I revere and for their hunting ability and just for their, their ability to write, convey through words, the, the adventure and, and how they felt during that hunt, that writing is always powerful. And then your filmmaking, you know, there's always people like that who tell a story in a way because hunting is stories. That's what it is. It's like, yeah, you're the only one living it, but how it lives on is through your story, whether that's the written word or, or film. Right. So all we're doing is like, and I've said that a lot. It's like, do you have a story to tell? 
I'll meet somebody and I'll say, tell, tell me a story. That's all it is. So there's still people who we'd always like, man, this guy's got some stories, yeah. you know? And that's what yeah. you always say. You always look at somebody and you go, well, I bet he's got some stories to tell, whether it's guys who served in the military, guys who have hunted, guys who've done these, uh, what we're doing in life is making a story, right? Sure. Yeah. And so the more you have, to me, that's the more success you have. And the stories that mean the most are the ones where there's the most peril involved or the most unknowns involved. And that's not in the city at the clubs. That's in the mountains. Yeah. And so we always had, Roy would just be like, he's the guy who people would say, did you hear about Roy? Here's what he did. Wow. Yeah. He was the mm -hmm. guy who had the stories, yeah. who, was, who was living the stories that people would talk about. So if people aren't talking about you, we were like, you know, if we were doing it right how we wanted, everybody had a story. So we would just be like, yeah, let's, we're out here and we want, you know, Cam and Roy stories. What, what these guys do? And so we, that's what we always wanted to, to go and, and, you know, the more, cra the crazier it got, the bigger smile we'd have. And, you know, you know, when I killed that, that doll sheep with Roy in on Pioneer Peak, that was, that was a story. That was the, the hunts that we loved. It was rugged. It was dangerous. It was hard. Um, and that was it. What, that, what was, that's really profound, actually. I've never thought about it like that. So you're almost saying like your, your metric for like how much, you know, quote unquote success you've had is the, is the, the quality and the number of stories that you have. And probably in those days, you know, around the campfire. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that goes back, you know, however many thousands right. and thousands of years. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's it. Yeah. Telling stories. I mean, you know how it is when you meet somebody and they just tell a great story yeah. and everybody's listening. Mm -hmm. The problem is <laughs> the worst part of that is people who think they have good stories and their <laughs> stories suck and right. they just won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, but Roy always had the best stories and then he always had a joke and he always, he was just like, he was like, I don't even know what, I, he was one of a kind. And I've said that before, but he was truly one of a kind. And, um, there was a certain thing about him when, when I was with him and we were hunting, I felt invincible because of how, how he carried himself and his, just how we spoke to each other. And like, there was a time where I, I killed a grizzly and I didn't have it on the, on the film, but this, uh, a sow, I killed this boar, the sow heard the, heard, you know, wasn't very far away, but the arrow hit the boar. The boar took off. Obviously, it was making noise when it took off, I think. They can hear so much better. I didn't hear anything, but the bear knew something happened. And then we were on the tidal flats and tall grass, and, and she stands up, and she's looking around and sees my bears out there about 130 yards and piled up. And so she ran. It's like goes over the blood trail, blood trailed him out to where he died and then she just starts tearing him up like hide going biting him attacking him wow. and uh and roy had a gun i was bow hunting and i said you know i didn't want him to shoot the bear but i said i said that she's tearing up my my bear and i said shoot out there and so he you know scare her off so he shoots and she didn't do anything and i'm like god shoot again i said gay bear get off that get out of there and I said, get off my bear. I was yelling. 
he shoots and then she kind of snaps out of it and heard me yelling and the gunfire. She looks and it's just, again, this is like thigh high grass. So she looks and just sees us and just beeline and just sprinting, wow. you know, and grizzlies can run or this is a brown bear because it's all right off the ocean. But, um, running fast and you know Roy's getting ready he'd already shot a couple times and so he's down to like one <laughs> shell in his gun and uh Johnny Rivet was filming at this time and we knew we were down to one shell and Roy said if if she crosses the creek and we were right on the bank of the creek he goes I'm gonna have to shoot her and you know I knew he's down to one so I told I told John I said hey where's that extra ammo you know <laughs> and so the bear comes over and stands up 20 yards away and I have my bow there. It's all I had. Roy had the gun and we're yelling at the bear. And even during this whole time, I never once felt anything like uh, fear. I was never worried. I think probably because Roy was there and I'm just like, <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just, it was another part of the adventure. It was right. just like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll see what happens. This bear comes over here. So the bear drops down and just starts charging right at us from 20 yards. And Roy <laughs> shoots and hits it like right. I don't know where he's aiming, but it, you know, it was happened fast, but he hit off her head and hit right in between the shoulder and in the neck and just dropped the bear. So it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 375 Magnum and dropped the bear and folded it up. And all we could say, you know, I was, I just started cussing and this, this is on the film. Like I said, I didn't put it out, but we have it. Um, you know, it was a defensive life and property kill. So we, you know, it was legal and everything right. else. Yeah. Um, but all I remember saying on the film was I was like, fuck. And I'm just like, God damn it. And he's like, he goes, I dude, I had to. And I said, I know, I just didn't want to have to kill another yeah. bear. Mm -hmm. I said, we, I don't want to kill this bear. Yeah. And so we were, we were never like concerned about anything. We were just upset. We had to, you know, he killed this charging bear. But the point is, it's like those type of things happened a lot. It felt like, right. Cause mm -hmm. when you're in Alaska and you're, you know, you, you go in the wild, it's, there's no rules. It's yeah. like, it's a different, it's like a different planet almost. It's a different it world. Yeah. You get, you don't worry about shit like, you know, I don't know, you know, there's no, you know, you're going to get a speeding ticket. No. You know, or the lineup at Starbucks. Like you're, the things you worry about are like totally different than what you would normally even consider. Right. Um, that's, uh, I don't have, you know, and that's interesting. You said that I'm feeling invincible with Roy because, you know, that's, almost, you know, with my dad growing up, mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it. You know, he did. I mean, he wasn't going out of his way to, to bring me into right. dangerous situations, but you know, we did some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. we we're in Africa for you know a month, sleeping on the ground, and there'd be lions and stuff around. And, and um, I remember, um, you're never concerned. Well, I wasn't because I, I didn't. I honestly I didn't know any different. Mm. I, never, I mean, I dad's like you're you know coming with me on this big giant you know worldwide trip, and, and I'm hunting just like normal, and, and that's it. So okay, this is where you sleep tonight. Okay, no problem. Um, but I remember we <laughs> were hunting. Uh, what was it? I think he was leopard hunting. And I mean, that's a pretty grueling thing. You know, you're in the yeah. back of a truck for like 18 days, you're driving around, but you know, oftentimes you're sitting in a blind in the morning and it's uh, pitch dark. So it's, you know, whatever, 4am, like, like, like proper dark. And, uh, dad was a muzzle hunt, a muzzle little hunter. And so he, he, um, we're sitting in this little tiny blind and what I'm about to tell you is pretty common, I think, but I didn't realize this, you know, in Africa. Um, and, uh, uh, it was super dry. Uh, I was like a high school kid uh, and I was having a really bad nosebleed. 
So I was, uh, you know, I had like a big wad of tissues and I'm trying to stop my nose from bleeding and it's, you know, kind of dripping on my hands and stuff. I can feel in the dark, but you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. So my nose is bleeding and, um, they're no leopard, but we hear, uh, lions calling in the distance. Right. And you're like that. I can't do it, but that, that real yeah. deep guttural. Right. Like, I mean, literally the sound. We, <sighs> yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Right. Well, a little bit more like deeper, deeper than <laughs> yeah. that. Can, yeah. Yeah, but you know the the, the there's no mistaking what it is. Yeah, you're I mean, like whatever the fuck that is. It sounds big and right. Yeah, I mean we are hardwired to like you know fear that basically. Yeah. You know, and and over there at least where we were, lions at night do not fear humans. Mm-hmm. I mean like not at all. I mean you're you're just another you know right. you're, you're you're a prey animal at that point. And so we were sitting there, and the roaring came closer and closer and closer. And uh, I was thinking, okay, this is you know seems a little weird can't see anything and then they get close enough for the rowing stops and we just start hearing you know padded footsteps mm. right <laughs> and uh and then and and this is when i start thinking about my nosebleed and i'm like oh this probably isn't great you know it's all blood yeah, blood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the the lions start um padding right around the tent mm. and then they start huffing so they make this like huffing like, <laughs> and blowing under the tent you know trying because i think you know, they see this, uh, it's not a big tent, right? So it's a tiny little, yeah, you can barely blind. Fit in. Yeah, mm-hmm. blind. And the only thing separating, um, you know, me and my, and my bloody nose from, you know, a pack of lions is a little, the film of the tent, right? It's a nothing. Yeah. The, the guide said, uh, Mike Fell, I think it was, and he said, basically the lions have, you know, five zippers on, on each hand. You know, yeah. If they want to use them, right? Right. Um, and uh, later, because again, pitch black, no one can talk, you can't make a, a sound. The Mike told us that... Um, you know, they're trying to get you to run, right? They, yeah. don't, they don't know. They're not, they're not sure. They want a reaction. They want a reaction, right? Mm-hmm. If you run out of there, you're dead. Yeah. And that was the first time when I thought, holy shit, this is, you know, okay. Well, this is a little bit, you know, dad, I'm maybe not Sketchy. quite as invincible as I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because dad's here doesn't mean shit really. I mean, in, in this scenario. Right. And so they, you know, they're knocking down branches and they're hitting the tent and stuff. And I remember my heart rate going up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm actually, you know, this is, <laughs> this is not a good feeling. But anyway, so not as, as amazing as your story, but, um, it's it, like you said, if you're measuring the success of your life by the quality and quantity of stories, then you have to go and do things outside the norm. You're mm-hmm. not going to do that going out to the, the clubs, right? Not the type of stories you want to, you know, spread. Yeah. It's, um, uh, but what a great story you have. You know, I mean, that yeah, is a great true. story because yeah. a lion, people can visualize that people aren't, most people are never going to be in that situation, but your story puts them there. You know yeah, what I sure. mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's so powerful. So to me, the second most important thing besides having a good story is being around outliers and spending time with people who like have achieved greatness in whatever field they are or they're in. And so that's where like, even this series, this lift run shoot series is selfishly, it's me being able to like, oh, I got this, this excuse. We're going to film this. I'm going to give you a bow. Mostly I'm just like buying their time. I just want to spend time with these people, sure. you know? And so if it's not for adventures, like with people like Roy or out there just in the, in the wild of the most wild country, then it's like, ah, at least I could in between those type of adventures, I'll spend time with badasses. And so that's where, you know, you've been so instrumental in the lift run shoot series, the podcast where we talk to outliers and it's like, uh, 
it, to me, it feels like meaningful and a, a meaningful existence, you know, and that's what we want, right? right. We yeah. want to, you know, you want to look around and be like, what is the fucking point to all this? Right. What in going to a regular job and doing that? Yes, we have to do that because we have to support our family. But sometimes you look, you might look in the mirror and you'll wonder what is this it? Right. And right. that's where those experiences. And if you can't do them, maybe we could, the best we can do is share them of course. and share yeah. that story. And so that's what, to me, that's the, the best part of the second best part of what we do is all, being able to share that story and like having you captured on film because I trust so much like I trusted Roy, um, that we were always going to get out of every situation. I trust you with the camera to be like, well, whatever the fuck happens, it's going to be cool on film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I have that same amount of trust for you in your profession is how I see it. And that's why the film, yeah, it took a while, but man, it feels, it, it feels good for you to have the impact. I think, uh, or the platform, I'm not saying you never had a platform, but man, this is, you know, it's, it's reached a new audience and that, is so exciting for me to, to, to our people who wouldn't know the Shockies, wouldn't know Brandlin or Brandon Shockley, <laughs> wouldn't know <laughs> Brand, Brandlin Shockey. And now they do. And God, I, I just love it. Oh, thanks, Cam. Well, we gotta, we gotta talk about what's next. What is next? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't How do know. we top that? Uh, well, we could do nothing, you know. And then sort of just live vicarious, live, live in the past. Yeah. Live, just rest on our laurels. Yeah. Um, do you know what laurels means? <laughs> I have an some idea. people don't. Yeah. Uh, explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. What, what, are, you know, we had a, so we hunted elk in Utah. Yeah. And so how'd that go? You screwed that up. Uh, well, I could release the footage mm -hmm. um, if you'll let me this time. And I oh, think is it, is it I think it's pretty clear that the camera guy had, there's nothing I can have done to have shown that elk. I couldn't even shown an ear of that elk or a hoof or anything of it other than just you shooting the bow and then looking back and say, did you get it? And, but, <laughs> and what and, was the answer? Well, <clears throat> give some context to the answer. Oh. The, the, you shot the elk and the, I don't even know what you're looking at. I could never see it. But where I would, you know, because as a camera person is when you're trying to get the perfect shot, right? You got to stand a little bit far, a little bit further back. I can't be right over your shoulder. But so you should have been up high enough. I mean, you're, you're, you know, twice I, the height of me. I think you found some little like little sort of hole through the bushes or something, some kind of little rabbit trail or something you shot through because I couldn't see the elk at all. Mm. So I don't think we're going to release that film because I'm just like you. I'm not perfect. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that'll be. Once for Wolves too, yeah. Well, w w so what's your goal? I mean, what what do you? Here we are. We work together on these projects, the the uh, the lift run shoot and the podcast. What's and also you're doing American Made for the Outdoor Channel. For the right? Outdoor Channel, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Going around to American owned companies, yeah, um, and highlighting their stories, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. what's I mean, what's on the future for you? Um, uh. Well, I just want to say, you know, it's a, it's an honor to be in this position, right? Because I grew up, I, I was lucky enough. I had a, a step up in the beginning and obviously with, with who my dad was. And, and, um, so I was able to, 
you know, make a bit of a, I think, you know, a mark early on. And, and, but what you mentioned earlier about the comments about people's feedback and they say, Hey, like I watched work that you did, or, or I saw something you did, or, or I read about it or, you know, whatever it is, I heard a story you told and that affected me. Right. I'm just, uh, you know, all I do is I, I just, you know, put stories in whatever medium I'm working in. Right. I try and be as creative as possible. Um, but I believe, I truly believe that we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Kind of like what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I think Joan Didion said that, but uh, that's it. I want to tell great stories and I want to impact other people's lives. You know, my, obviously, you know, my, my family and my kids aside, you know, that's all I want to do. I want people to look at something I've done and be like, holy shit, you know, I there's something there that, that, that he gets and that I get and I have that same feeling and, and I want to... I want to um, positively impact as many people as possible. That's it. Mm -hmm. that through whatever creative medium. Oh, what's your favorite or how do you think that's easy, most easily done? Is it through adventures in the wild or do you just want to make films wherever? Um, the only way I know how to do that currently is through adventures. And I think that's because... Uh, you know, again, that's just, that's the lot in life I've had. That's the, that's the advantage I've had. That's the, that's my experience. That's what I know how to do. I couldn't, you know, if I walked onto a film set tomorrow, I wouldn't know, you know, I couldn't even tell you what type of lights are using or, or what my role is supposed to be. Um, all I know is that if we have a group of men or women going into the wilderness, going on an adventure, I believe currently I know how to tell that story. Now I hope someone next week is going to come out with something and I'm going to watch what they put together, creative mind. And I'm going to go, Oh wow. Okay. That's it. Right. Like you, 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 you told that better than I ever could. And I'm going to learn from that kind of like you do, you do with the outliers. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I think you can tell stories in any type of medium you want. You can tell stories on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, you can tell stories around the campfire. You can tell big giant stories in movie theaters. You, you can tell it over the phone. I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of different mediums and, the only one I know is the outdoors. Yeah. And do you think that, well, you know it so well, but do you think that it's uh, the dichotomy between life there and life here is such a juxtapose that, yeah. that that story is more intriguing to you? Yeah. It's like the connection between the wild and the... and civilized world and so that's how you like those type of stories yeah well i mean i believe that mm -hmm. i really i truly believe that there's a disconnection that we are not even close to addressing or figuring out mm -hmm. i think i think that there are millions of people that are not living their best life because they don't understand what that really means they understand what they um you know they understand necessities like we said we i get that mm -hmm. you know you got to you got to freaking do, you got to provide for your family however you can. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, what you do on the weekends. I'm talking about, uh, you know, why you haven't called your buddy up from high school and done anything cool like you used to do in the old days. Remember when you used to build forts and you used to go adventure in the forest and that was all fun? What happened to that? Yeah. Or like, why are we sitting, uh, you know, I don't know, eating popcorn, watching, uh, I'm not going to, I don't know, I don't want to say what, what people, <laughs> what, why we're doing, but I mean, you know, there's, there's just, I just think there's more out there for everybody from the most successful people on the planet to just the average everyday men and women, you know, 
uh, living, living their lives, blue collar stuff. Like we can all live better lives, myself included. And, and I just, you know, I don't know. I just want to be part of that. Who's impacted you as a filmmaker? Yeah, great question. Um, so when I started off, uh, and this is, uh, I, I was totally naive, right? So dad said, Hey, uh, I was, uh, going to university as a, as a business major. And he said, Hey, if you don't want to go into business, you know, <laughs> why don't you come, you know, film and try and make a, make a series, right? Cause I've had successful hunting adventures. Why don't we make one called professionals? Right. Uh, and, uh, and I said, dad, I, you know, I went to school for four years for business. I don't know anything about making a, mm-hmm. a series. And, uh, but I eventually said yes. And I sat there on YouTube for like six months, learned how to edit. And I lied. Um, the outdoor channel said, Hey, like, you know, where's the series? Uh, you've got it all like in the proper formats, you know what you're doing. You've got the sound design, all that big studios. And I said, yeah, sure. And I sent, you know, I was in my, literally in my underwear in my bedroom on a, a box made out of cardboard. Cause I couldn't afford a desk, uh, my laptop. And I sent them, you know, this, the series, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the episodes I was making. Um, and I, you know, so I, I kind of faked it. Um, but I was not a hunter, mm-hmm. right? I was never, or at least if I did some hunting, I wasn't hunting first. I didn't look, I don't, and I still don't. I don't look at hunting movies or films. Um, and if I do, I don't look at them in terms of like, oh, I wonder how big that elk was. Or all I look at is like, hey, did that, did I like that? Did, did I connect with that? Right. So in my early days, I literally like Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. you know, like the lock stock, two smoking barrels. Right. Um, that guy knows how to tell a story. And that's what I was watching at the time when I was making the professional. So I did a bunch of, you know, like he does that, those super fast cuts and moves around. So I would try and do stuff like that. Okay. Now they're a, they're a horrible version. I would like, <laughs> nobody looked that up cause it's not even close to what he was doing, but like, yeah. that's, that's what inspired me at the time. So, um, so yeah. Hollywood, basically certain producers in Hollywood and you tried to bring that type of creativity into the mountains then. Right. Right. And, and, th- and then that evolved over. Um, so even once we're wolves, uh, there's a shot there where, cause I don't, I don't want to take all the credit for, you know, I'm not like some creative genius, like the shot where Kip's walking towards a plane, you yeah. know, and it kind of rotates around him. Right. Okay. There's a, there's a snowboarding video called, um, Oh wait, where it goes like this flips like this. Yes. Okay. That, that stuff too. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that even the flippy stuff that I don't can't give credit cause I don't know the people that came up with that, but it wasn't me. Okay. Right. So um, you've emulated things that you've liked and into the work you're doing. Right. And brought into, yeah. into hunting. Yeah. I think, you know, Tanner wears a t-shirt that says, what does that say? Great artist steal. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so you steal these ideas, put them in your medium and right. then, so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it works. It's right. like, is there, is there really any original ideas or are there versions of and then, of course, the hunt is original, but maybe this this editing style is right. influenced by. It would be cool if like, anything we did in lives, including what you and Roy did, right? Like, I mean, as great as Roy was, and, and um, you know, guys like my dad, and, and you are, we're all standing on the shoulders of of others, right? And mm-hmm. that goes those back and goes back into our you know generational generation all the way back. Um, same with any kind of story we're telling that goes all the way back to you know the beginning of time. Like that's from the campfires to, to, to now there's just, you know, different iterations and there's going to be, like I said, someone next week will come up with a way better way to tell stories than I ever could have even dreamed. And I think that's great. It's just part of, part of being part of something like a bigger process than ourselves, like our individual selves. Have you, have you seen a hunting film that you didn't do that 
that you appreciated? I mean, maybe you haven't even watched any. I don't. Yeah. I, it's funny. I don't really watch hunting films. Um, I will say the work that, and I don't want to leave anybody out here, but, um, have you heard of uh, rock house motion? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they do good work. They do great work. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing their stuff and be like, Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I've since become friends with Matt white, but like those guys, I'm like, okay, I like respect. Um, Donnie Vincent gets a lot of credit yep. for his filmmaking mm-hmm. and I, I'll, I'll admit I haven't watched much of it, mm-hmm. but I know he, he does stand out in that realm for the work that he's putting into the filmmaking part. Totally. Yeah. And I've heard that consistently. I've not seen some of his stuff. I've seen, I can just kind of tell, you know, the, the, just from watching you know, a few seconds or the, even the photos and everything like I'm, yeah. I'm sure his work is excellent. Very insightful. He yeah. seems like an insightful yeah. um, person. I, I think, uh, you know, I live in Kansas City right now, and the Heartland Bowhunter guys are around there. Are you familiar mm, with those guys? Yeah. Um, I think there's a perception that, and I hope there isn't, but, you know, I had this perception in the beginning that, oh, like, you know, to tell great stories, you have to go on some ridiculous, you need to go to Alaska, you know, have some crazy adventures, and you got to have, like, you know, all kinds of time and money to spend on, you know, whatever camera gear, and you got to, you know, edit and a lot. Um, if you look at, what those guys are doing, they're out there with very basic DSLRs that, you know, most people have. And I think they do great work. Um, yeah, so I think that's cool. Yeah, no, that, that is good. I, I think great work in an incredible setting makes it better. Makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. And there's a reason why, you know, yeah. obviously I prefer to go to Alaska than to try and film something in my backyard in suburbia, yeah. Kansas city, you know? So, um, but the point is that it's, it's, the most important thing is story. And mm. I don't think that going back to some earlier questions, I don't think that a hunt that a film like this would be nearly as powerful without the backstory of, of you and Roy, um, of you and Kip, right? Cause Kip and you are kind of, you know, friends now. And, and it used to be you and Roy. Now it's you and Kip and Kip sees in you, what you, I think originally saw in Roy, mm-hmm. right? That's all themes in the movie. Um, you take that away and it's just a, it's just a hunt film. Yeah. You, you want to know, you want to know what's missing from that movie? What? Do you think anything's missing? Yeah, I didn't show Kip's brother Kobe as much as I, I should have. <laughs> no, um, but that, yeah, that's fine. I mean, Kobe, Kobe's kind of like the, uh, he's not like jumping in front of the camera all the time. Well, actually, you know what? Very quick, you know what happened with that? Because uh, I talked to Kip and so the, the truth is Kobe was with us in that, but I don't show much in the movie. Mm-hmm. He actually we were sharing, the three of us were sharing a tent together, right? Yeah. And Kobe, during the blizzard, he was in a tent by himself. Yeah. And so I just, I didn't really have much footage of him at all. And I had yeah. to, so I didn't, anyway, go ahead. What's missing? Well, I mean, yeah, props to, to Kobe. He's uh yeah, great guy, tough mm-hmm. guy you want in the clutch for sure. Um, what's missing is, uh, can't watch it with Roy. Yeah. So any hunting story or memory is just not the same because if he could watch that film and we could talk about it, that's perfect. But, you know, it's a great film and it's awesome, 
but his room, Roy's room at his house, he's not in it. All those things are there. We have all his memories. We have the big snow machine picture from brown bear hunting. We have everything you could look around and have a, an incredible story on it. And Roy's not telling it. And so this movie without Roy, it can't be the best ever because I can't share it with that's, that's what we did. We loved getting on the phone talking about, I mean, when he killed that biggest brown bear on Kodiak that won the Fred bear war award, he called me on the sat phone to tell me when he dug into the den and that bear came piling out when Roy locked eyes with it, when the bear was in the den and Roy was crawling in there, he called me from the mountain. So it's like, we would do these things. And if we weren't together, we were always the call like, dude, you won't believe this. So this movie without, without being able to share it with him, it's like, yeah. I mean, to me, that's what's missing, but. Well, yeah, I'm, I didn't think about that, but, um, I will say, um, you told me this one time, you said that, uh, you know, life sucks sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mother nature, life that doesn't, doesn't owe anybody to be fair. There's no, I mean, that's, that's something that we, you know, humans have come up with that doesn't exist. Um, I will say that I think that you would have made Roy proud. I think, uh, you know, the way that you went up there and did what you had to do, um, the way that you had an adventure and you brought others on an adventure like he brought you in the early days, um, certainly something that I will never forget. I'll always be grateful for that. And I don't, you know, I just don't, sometimes I think we don't have the answers. And I think it made, I hope anyway that, you know, the film we made uh, did justice to Roy's legacy. I know we can never match that. We can never get up there, but, you know, we can only do the best we can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, you saying that, the, the only reservation I have, if we're going to be honest, is you had a clip in there, and I'm not sure if this is, I think this is how you felt, but you had the camera turned around on you and you were shaking your head. And I, it made me feel... made me feel bad that I was dragging people into that shit. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I was pissed, not pissed at you. I was just pissed at the situation. I thought, cause I don't want to, I'm not a fucking tough guy, mm -hmm. right? I don't look in the mirror and say, oh, there's a tough guy looking back at me. I don't, you know, I, I've done some dangerous stuff, but that's mostly because that's just, you know, that's just kind of what I know. I don't know how to make a living doing other you know, things. Um, so I wasn't excited to be in that scenario, but again, um, you know, I remember, I remember one time we were in, uh, so this is a, a crazy adventure with dad and we were up way, you know, way North, you know, and we were polar bear hunting. So we were on the back of, you know, dog sleds basically getting bounced around the ice all day. And, um, something happened and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the people that live up there, right. They're tougher. 
they've got more toughness and a, and a yeah. fingernail than I will ever have in my, I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sitting there in my whole, you know, outfit looking like a, a dummy with a giant like motorcycle helmet on because of my hand, my, my head's freezing and I, you know, I can't feel my hands and I've got my fancy, you know, clothing and they're wearing that, you know, I'm wearing like the minus hundred degree rated gloves and they're, they're out there working on like metal parts with their, yeah, with their hands, bare hands. Bare hands. And they're all, their faces are all, one of the guys was all scarred up from a polar bear attack. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody else, all their skins all falling off in their face and stuff. Cause they're just so tough. It's like minus 70 hours, some crazy thing. Yeah. Um, and something, I can't remember what it was, but there was a polar bear around and I felt like the, the, um, the, the guide that we had was making like really bad, like dangerous decisions, like, mm. like going very fast around the polar bears. Like they're, they're kind of like the lions are like, they're not used to seeing humans. I mean, they'll kill you. Yeah. No joke. And, um, something happened. I was, I was mad. I told dad that I was, and I was like, I was mad. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause this is a situation that I shouldn't be in. This is too dangerous. Right. And he basically like, at first he was kind of like, okay, you know, and then he thought about it and he's like, listen, this is, this is the way things are. There's nothing to do with you. This is, this is not in your control. And that's, that's part of it. You need to be this, this is it, mm -hmm. you know, life again, mother nature doesn't need to be fair to you. Fairness is not. Yeah. I think this is the way though this is the way these people live. We are in their world. They're not in ours. We didn't invite them to come down to, you know, have coffee at Starbucks down here. We're in we're in their environment. And, that, and so you accept it. Mm -hmm. So even though in that situation, yeah, I was I was not super thrilled to be going into the the trees. You'll notice that I did my very best to keep as many people between me and where I thought the bears were as possible. Yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, and Kip also had a similar reaction. He wasn't that excited. And I, I was, you know, Johnny's put in a bad situation because I'm telling, I don't want guns. I don't want anybody shooting. Basically, I don't want anybody there, but he has to be there because that's his job. Mm -hmm. You guys didn't want to be there, but we're together. You know, we're a team. So I just felt, you know, it's one thing to, to fuck up on your own and you have to go clean up the mess. I mean, I had to do it in San Carlos on this big tight bull right here. And, I, you know, it was it was just me who got in there and I could I could fix it. I fucked it up. I made a bad shot, but I can fix this. And all I wanted to do was fix that. The, I wanted to get the grizzly killed. I didn't want to have anybody else there. I didn't want to make it, un, you know. And so that's like when I watched the film, I'm like, it just kind of, it puts me back there again where I'm almost like, God, I'm dragging these fuckers into this, my mess. And I didn't want to. Right. But that, that's the thing, right? And you heard Kip afterwards. He said, uh, I think, he, what did he say? So there's no one I'd rather spend time in the woods with, right? That's after this all went down. I don't think it's about, and life isn't about making the best decision. Or maybe, yeah, maybe we could have waited longer. Maybe, I don't know, you could have made a better shot. There's, I'm sure there's decisions that, you know, you would, would, would want back. Um, but that's not what adventure is about. We're not expecting you to be perfect, um, mm -hmm. but we're there for you anyway. And that was, that's always something like I look at, uh, you know, the, the war stuff and the stories my grandpa would tell me. And, you know, he'd basically say it's not about the war. You don't give, you don't give a shit about what the, you know, global policies are. You, yeah. you care about the person next to you, right? And I think that is as unfortunate as it is that it has to be, you know, I think kind of in a generally in dangerous situations where this comes through. But, um, like Johnny said afterwards, it felt like we, we almost went through a little bit of a war together mm -hmm. and we had a bond that I don't think you can just get by going to the bar through buddies and, and doing what we would normally do in everyday life. It just doesn't, it's not the same. No, no, so. I, I get that too. And afterwards I was, I said that and I was trying to think that, you know, that was, 
that was a big deal that that bond that we had you know um in the moment and you know people can whatever say it's an act I, i don't it doesn't really matter but i would have rather went down there and if i could have went you know got an arrow on that bear killed it or whatever and not had you guys even been subjected to all that um and yeah i mean it was just like i i obsessed too much probably you know i know hunting means different things to different people um it's the only thing that's ever made me stand out so it means it's everything and it's just like you know i guess i'm thankful i'm sorry that i had to bring everybody into that fucking disaster zone and the alders there but i'm also very grateful that for the bomb that we have afterwards and um if it if the film can show that yeah hunting it's real it's you can't be perfect and yeah even the guy who does this every day can fail and if that feels more authentic and can impact people then i guess that's a win but yeah <laughs> to me personally i still doesn't feel like a win i just you know and, and i understand that i just again from a selfish storytelling standpoint i think that's kind of the point right how many people part of what i feel like we're missing in our lives is the ability to look over your shoulder and see your buddy next to you and know have a hundred percent confidence that when that whatever rhino charges grizzly charges you know whatever it is the the Germans are charging. doesn't matter. When shit goes down, that guy's going nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an uncommon thing. I mean, you, you see it, you know, you see it sometimes brothers and, and people like that, but you don't, I think it's far less common than it used to be where like a, a group of, of people can, can have a bond like that. Although I don't know if I'd include myself in that situation because <laughs> that grizzly coming is coming. I'm, I'm not, I don't know that I'd be stepping in front of it for you, but um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, I mean, I'm thankful you were there. I'm thankful that we, you know, the film has had the impact. And, and mostly I'm thankful because the, imp- the impact, whatever, it's just like it's, you know, my story is, you know, I can tell a story and it's it's fine and it happened how it happened. But if it's, uh, if there's any positive out of it, if people are aware of your talents because of it, I'm like super grateful for that. Um and I just, you know, I want to commend you for your your ability to capture and tell capture things with a camera that other people wouldn't see or think to capture, and then to turn it into a story. It's it's so unique. It's like you know, I don't want it to be a cliche that this is you know we talked outliers, but you are the one in hunting who is taking has taken what we do to another level, and it's um, it's. Uh, maybe you've been in, influenced by others, but for what you've done in this industry, it's uh, you're one of one. And it's uh, I'm very grateful, despite however it went, that we were there and we were able, we were able to make a film out of it that, that can have an impact on people. And, uh, you know, all the, you know, I think about everything that you went through growing up, being the son of Jim Shockey, not having that burning desire to be a hunter, 
um, you know, your whole family dynamic with your sister, you know, she's ultra talented, just amazing in her own way. And then your mom, you know, that like the glue to the family. And I think about all your journey to get you to right here. And I know it's, there's been ups and downs. I know everybody sees this great, you know, you, I remember the pictures from that door channel, uh, golden moose awards, and you look like the most perfect family ever invented. And it's like, I know it's not always like that, but for whatever has happened on this journey to put you here and to put us in position to release that film, I'm very grateful for, um, and I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled that we're working together and that we can somehow maybe shine a different light on hunting because it's what I love and, and telling stories is what you love. And for whatever reason, we've come together and have done something special. And I'm very grateful for you. Um, I don't know what to say to that other than uh, I think I'm the the one that's humbled, Cam. And um, it was a, it was an honor to, to share the mountain with you. And I, I hope we continue to do so. We will. And um, thank you for telling the this, this story of Roy Roth. Um, yeah, you did a great job. Um, I appreciate you, Renlin. Thank you. appreciate you, Cam. Thank you. All right, let's wrap this up. Keep hammering. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. All right, guys, listen up. For years, we've been talking about doing a lift run shoot event and we're finally making it happen. I've teamed up with my friends over at Mountain Ops to create an exclusive VIP experience where you get the opportunity to come out to Oregon and live and breathe through my mantra of lift, run, shoot. We will run through a beast mode workout, hit the hills of Pisgah, and wrap it up shooting bows over at the Endicott Farms. This is a perfect event for new hunters or someone who has been wanting to get into bow hunting for a very long time. We want to give you the tools to take your bow into the field and be successful. Slots are filling up fast. If you guys want to join me in Oregon at the end of July, go to mountainops.com to secure your spot.